just thank you very much for allowing me the privilege to preach this morning. One of the things kind of dovetailing to this past weekend with our children's camp that we're going to talk about is Christian parenting, the three calls of Christian parents. First thing we're going to talk about is to teach them. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses is charging them with teaching the children commandments and statutes of God. So later on, Jesus is talking about the greatest commandment, which is Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This is a a key thing that's so important for us to teach our children is do we really love God? Does that come out in how we live? And the good thing is, you know, it doesn't. I don't mean that in a good way, but it is tangible for our kids because we fail, we sin. And by sharing and showing our, our children God's mercy and grace through Christ, that's, that's something that they are able to see modeled for them. This other verse, 6-7, uh, you know, talks about when should we do this? When we are sitting at home, walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. At every opportunity we possibly have, we need to teach them the gospel. It's not very hard very simple. It's very clear in the Bible. It can be just four main points. When I taught Awanas, I did make one slight mistake. We would talk about the gospel, and when someone said, what are the gospels, plural, all my kids are talking, and it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, not what I was teaching them, so I had to explain the difference between the important S It's really important to talk about what is God's character? What is he like? God's pure. He's holy. He's the ultimate authority. Spoke things into existence out of nothingness. There's no darkness. So it's a simple thing that we can, you know, teach our kids. What is man's character? We're sinful. We're the opposite of God. We have darkness in our life without Christ. Our world does not want to acknowledge Christ. And that isn't new. That's something that's always existed. Everybody can talk about God. But when you start talking about Christ, there's an admission that we have great need. We have sin. We have no hope. We are lost without Jesus. So the third thing with the gospel, just breaking it down for our children. And, you know, this isn't an age-limited subject. This is forever. We can always talk about this. If we've not done it, that's the beauty of the Christian faith. We can have a new beginning like a lot of the shirts that you see some of our youth from a week ago wearing 2 Corinthians 5.17, that we're a new creation, that we have a new beginning because of Jesus. Jesus was fully God. He's fully man. He's the only way that we can have any relationship with God. John 14, 6, he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Christianity is a very exclusive faith. It is not all roads lead to him. It's exclusive. It's only through Christ. And that's something that, you know, as we talk with our kids, whatever age they are, whether they're at home or not, we need to make sure that that part's clear. I don't have the gift like Mike or Dan or Chris, you know, to talk the way that they do, or Billy Graham that just died a few years ago. But I do have the ability, and I also have the responsibility to teach my kids. 
There's nowhere in Scripture that it talks about someone else outside the family teaching. This is our responsibility. It's an awesome responsibility because it drives us to Christ because we fail. When we first started having kids, let me back up. So my wife Kelly and I have been married. It'll be 19 years next month, and we have eight kids. All our kids, no adoption. You know, sometimes when you get to four, everybody's like, are they all yours? I'm like, yes. It's very strange, but it is what it is. And, uh, you know, the thing that I've learned, looking back, my oldest just graduated high school this year, and the thing looking back that I've learned in the beginning, my goodness, I was so selfish, and I still am, and we are. We think about ourselves. When we get up in the morning, brush your teeth, go to the bathroom, get your coffee, whatever it is. You know, some of it are just basic necessities to life, but we don't instinctually think about other people. But that all changes when you have kids, because they can do nothing. They can't communicate to you that they need anything in the beginning. I remember this movie, Robots, that was a children's movie at the very beginning, and there was a volume knob on the, on the baby when it was crying. I was like, my goodness, what I wouldn't have given for that, you know, to have some sleep sometimes when they're young. They don't come with instructions, you know, and unlike the gospel, you read Leviticus, you know, raise your children in the admonition of the Lord. It doesn't break that down, what that really looks like. It is not as crystal clear as the gospel, and I've heard Mike talk about it many times. It drives us to pray. It drives us to be reliant on God because we're unable to do it. One of the things that we need to realize, this responsibility is ours. It's not Dan's. It's not the church. They are part of that. But ultimately, the responsibility for my children is my responsibility unto God. And, you know, if you kind of look at it as a spiritual diet, the church is like a supplement. It's like a vitamin. Dan is like a vitamin B12 He'll get you all jacked up like Starbucks. You'll be ready to, you know, face the world. But you can't have a diet on that. You know, if you break down how often you're here, you're here for an hour on Sunday. You might be, your kids may be here for Awanas. That's about an hour and a half, an hour at Sunday school. Three or four hours a week won't get it done, especially when there's a world that inundates us saying, do whatever you want. It's totally fine. That isn't what the Word teaches. And this isn't just an ascetic pursuit of making right or wrong decisions our pursuit ultimately is to be christ-like why is that you should ask so moving on to the second part here we're to train them proverbs 22 6 train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it we need to train them and there. There are things that we need to understand. In the Word, there are people that did a great job parenting. Children didn't turn out so well, vice versa. It's still free will. Our children have to decide. They're going to be accountable. But, you know, let it not be because we didn't do our job as parents and teach them. And again, it's, it just has to be something that is consistent, that you and your spouse does. If you're a single parent, you know, it's important to have other people involved. Uh, in our family, my wife Kelly comes from a, 
a family of nine siblings. So she has five brothers and four sisters. And I'll tell you, that has been so helpful for us as our, you know, four older boys that are all teenagers have grown up. It just really solidifies that this thing about the gospel, about Christ, is real. And you can see it in many, many different people's lives. Having other people involved, grandparents, you guys play a huge part. You guys are the ones that are like the, the Moses that are older and respected. And, you, and what you have to say has a profound impact or what you don't say. Can we cue the picture, Jeremy? So in my family, I come from a Christian family. I come from a lineage Christian family. I did not grow up in a Christian home. This is my great-grandfather's Bible from 1899. This 23rd day of January 1899, I have given my life fully into the hands of God to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which I have received because I have surrendered all to God and believe this promise. That made it one generation in my family. It didn't get passed. There's a lot of different reasons. It's not just the, you know, talking with someone or articulating Scripture. But I grew up in a non-Christian home. My family got divorced uh, after we moved from Iowa to Florida in 1986. My folks are saved, but that's part of our story. And that's the challenge that just because we have our kids plugged into whatever type of Christian Whatever it is, Sunday school, Awanas, don't let your guard down. Do the best that we can, and we have to seek the Lord with everything we have because when you think about the balance we must have, we've got to be hard and soft. We have to have mercy. We have to have discipline. That is not something that's easily attained for any of us. It is a very difficult balance, and it changes as you get into more children there's a lot of different personalities. When you have, you know, a couple, there's a lot. When you have eight, there's an awful lot of different personalities. There's none the same, and God created them that way. As a father, we have to be careful that we don't break their spirit. That's not just rules-driven, or that we are so removed from the situation that we're too infatuated fishing and golfing. I love golfing. I'm terrible. You're never going to hear... Matt quit working at Regency Electric to go on the PGA Tour. That's never going to happen. As much as I wish I could play like that, it won't happen. This pursuit, if you haven't done it, you know what? We all fail. And that's okay. When we realize that and that there's a true repentance, there's restoration, and we can pick up you know, our bootstraps and move on with the Lord. And that's ultimately what this is about because... There are going to be times we just don't handle it correctly. One of the things with, with training, especially when they are young, is that you remember if you can train your dog or animal to let you know when they need something, I guarantee you can train your two- or three-year-old. And I found, even though it was a struggle in the beginning, when they are young like that, it is much easier. And if you have a lot of kids, those older kids are going to really set the precedent for everybody else for sure. One of the things we would do is we would always go to Northampton. We had, I've got 18, 17, soon to be 16 later in the year, 13. We have close kids. And I would take the boys, we'd go golfing. 
And golfing can be fun. Whether I'm playing good or not, we'll just lay that to the side. But if I wasn't really involved with my kids, you go up there, you have to be quiet. You've got ropes and stuff, and you better not come up there or you're going to go you know, have a trip to the emergency room and have your face stitched up from getting hit with an iron or something. So some days, it was like, holy smokes. We kind of lost what our teaching and our training was. And so that's okay. You pull it back, and you remember what it is that you're doing together with your spouse. It's a team effort. Whoever doesn't want to discipline, you're going to deal with it all the time. Um, I come from an electrical background. I've worked at Regency Electric for 21 years. And I'm a project exec, which is just a fancy word that I run projects from the office, which is why I got overweight, unfortunately, because I don't turn wrenches or walk up ladders. But anyways... I've just really enjoyed, uh, you know, with my oldest son graduating high school and looking back, I've just seen God's faithfulness. Not because of me. I'm not, I'm not special at all. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. It's a, you know, catchy phrase or whatever, but it's true. That doesn't mean that it's billboards it means that God does small things through ordinary people and unbelievable things are accomplished through it because of his plan, because of his mercy and his grace. One of the things we would, we would do outside of going and playing golf, and I'd take all my kids, um, if I'm going to get parts or something at Home Depot, and just see how they act and train them. And if they don't act, it's really important that we worked on it when I was home. My, one of my favorite people I always enjoy reading about is John Wooden. He was the UCLA basketball coach in the 60s and 70s. He won 10 national championships in 12 years, and he's an extremely interesting person to me to read about. He coined many, many phrases. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Don't mistake activity for achievement. He had many interesting phrases, kind of like Lincoln, who's another person that I've always enjoyed reading about. One thing about his coaching, and he had wild success, won seven championships in a row. He went three years without losing a game. He didn't do all his coaching at the game. He did it in practice. And I, to me, that's just the tangible thing that we've always tried to do at home is when we have problems, deal with them. Don't give them a tablet. Don't give them your phone. You may need to when you're out, but that isn't going to fix it. We need to do that at home, and we need to model what our faith is. When we make mistakes, that's, I feel the greatest tool I have is to show my kids, dad does not have it figured out. Dad is nothing without Jesus Christ. And model what that is. I can do that. There's a lot of things I cannot do, but that's something I can do is just be honest about my mistakes and be vocal about it so that they see what that looks like. The other thing as far as you know, spiritual training is showing them what a quiet time is, that we're consistently in the Word, that we're reading and that we're growing. It doesn't have to be hours on them, but it's got to be consistent. You won't grow if you're not in it. There's none of us that that isn't true for. We have to have it. I mean, you know, you think about all the different things that Jesus did. He's fully God, fully man. He prayed a lot. He quoted scripture against Satan. 
to defeat him. Those are all things we're capable of doing. It wasn't something supernatural, which he could have done, but it's something tangible that we're all able to do. I think another thing that I've tried to do, um, when my kids are young, I want them to obey the first time. I'm not going to ask them over and over. And, you know, with some of them, there's a strong personality. And you have to, it's a battle of wills, who's going to win? And sometimes that was 10 times having to deal with the same thing in an hour. And you're like, my goodness, what did I get myself into? But when you win and you're consistent, it doesn't, another thing in that same vein, I just want them to obey and trust me. They don't need to ask me why. I don't need to give them a reason. But as they grow up, I want them to think about why we do certain things. And when it's not a confrontation and it's not challenging my authority, then I want them to understand because they are going to be on their own for a long time, way longer than when they're in my house. And that is another thing that's important for us to remember. It may seem like they're always going to be there. They're not. This parenting when your kids are at home is a season. It is not going to last forever, and we've got to be so mindful of that. We have to be mindful with our pursuits. We have to be mindful of their pursuits that it doesn't suck up all our time. There might be some times that the season of not playing baseball or basketball is warranted to draw things in. I don't know if someone is going to make it as far you know, it's like a professional sport. I know there's not a lot of people I want to model my life after. For every Tim Tebow or David Robinson that are very solid Christian men, there's a lot of people that have a lot of problems. It never stems away from the gospel and what our great need is. You know, God chose us. And our kids didn't choose us. You know, God allowed all of this. And he gives us the privilege to be their parents. And we need to take advantage of that and realize the responsibility, but it's not an overwhelming responsibility. And again, it's not just parents. It's grandparents, aunts, and uncles. That makes a huge impact. With our teenagers, I've always liked them to work with me and show them what that's like because I like to work. You know, one thing with construction, you do a building. Not all projects are from the ground up, but when they are, and it's something massive, and you're like, wow. You think about all the people and all the time it took to do that. It's a very rewarding thing. And to me, parenting is no different. It's going to require time. It's going to require sacrifice. But it's a worthwhile pursuit. And if it's something that you have struggled with, join the club. Be honest about it. You know, pick yourself up and follow what the Lord is leading you to do. So my last topic is Ephesians 6, 4. Do not provoke them to anger. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I think there's a lot of different ways that we can provoke. I think the most important thing is our approval has got to be something they can attain. If it's not, initially it's going to create hurt. It's going to create, ultimately, anger. And it's going to really fracture the relationship. I've found that challenging because 
you know, don't you as dads, you want your kids, if something needs to be done, go do it. Don't wait for someone to ask. If you're doing a job, don't work the minimum hours. You know, you, you have all these things that you want to try and teach them. But if that's all it is, and we strive away from the pursuit of Christ-likeness, it's an unattainable pursuit. And it is a frustrating one that your kids will jump ship. The pursuit of Christ-likeness is what the ultimate goal is. It's not making good decisions and bad. As we pursue Christ, we are going to make good decisions, but they'll be a byproduct of us walking with Christ. It is not going to be a legalistic pursuit that you can control. It's understanding God's character, his high standard, how we fall from it, but how we're restored because of Jesus. The last couple of years, especially when my son that just recently graduated, I've just really found that it brings a, a closer walk with them, to put my arm around them and just being very specific that I'm proud of them. Proud that he graduated. But you know what? More than above that, he shows fruit that he's walking with Christ. And there isn't anything as a Christian parent that you want to see. My kids are not perfect. They fight. They look like a bunch of bear cubs fighting and it gets intimidating they're not small but you know we're not perfect at all i don't want anyone to think that we're not a family that has our own share of problems we definitely do but it's such a worthwhile pursuit and as they grow up and they hit different stages and you give them that approval man that means the world I'm 45 years old, I'll be 46 in November, and to this day, you know, if something, if I do something and it makes my mom proud, I will always get a call from my stepdad, man, you really made your mother proud, not in a derogatory way, but in a positive way, and I'll tell you, that doesn't get old, that there is that approval when you have done something that is honoring to your parents, you know, think about that commandment. Honor your mother and father that may go well with you and you may enjoy a long life. It doesn't say whether they're a Christian. It doesn't say an age that never leaves. And for me, you know, I enjoy that. I feel really, you know, validated when there's an approval. And I definitely want that to be the same with my kids. And that is challenging, especially as they get older. You feel like the sands in the hourglass are running out and you want to make it count very quickly and teach them everything. And it's difficult. If you haven't done that, that's, again, one of the things that's so amazing about the Christian faith. There can be restoration right now. You may not be able to control the outcome of other people, even our own kids, but you can control yourself, and that's all we're responsible to God for. I think it's just amazing that we're all broken we have a different life you know because of christ but that same person for me i was older when i got saved i was about 24 so there was a definite swing in my life when i got saved there's a definite you know time period of things i was doing and then once i got saved over time how god changed my life very different sometimes it's not that obvious 
especially if you and your wife or your husband is walking in truth, walking biblically together, sometimes that can get blurred and people aren't sure if they're saved. Um, it definitely is something that's going to come to fruition when they're out of your home. You know, that's just something for myself. I just pray for my kids because I know who their dad is. I know ultimately who their dad is, but I know that there's a lot of issues I've had in my life, and I just want to be honest about that. I want them to see that if God can take someone like myself and change my life, which he did, it's an amazing relationship. And to me, it kind of shows the story of the gospel, the restoration, because um, there is going to be friction. We're always around each other, and, you know, we, we can lose sight of that. But at the end of the day, you know, I love what Paul talked about in Second Corinthians 12, that God's power is made perfect through weakness. Man, I am weak. I'm sinful. I'm grateful that I'm not the same that I was, but I sure want to be better than what I currently am. And I think all of us, to different degrees, feel that way. Ultimately, the, the thing for myself, and I think for most Christian parents, is 3 John 1, 4. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in truth. That's what God wants. That's what God delights in. And I know that's what we as Christian parents delight in. And no matter what is going on, no matter if our children are not maybe walking in truth, don't give up. God is capable of doing anything. Think about, think about how God created the universe and he spoke things out of nothingness into existence. I know we've heard that, but I mean, think about that. Think about the ultimate control and power that God has to create things, to restore things what he did through Christ, through the blood that he shed on the cross. He's capable of doing so much through us if we allow him to do that. In our small group this last week, uh, Steve and Kathy Parker used to be uh, missionaries in Turkey about 15 or 20 years ago. And they have some friends that flew over from Turkey that are from, that as their homeland. And, you know, it was interesting hearing them talk. Turkey is a country that has 98 to 99% Muslim. They have 200 Christian churches in Turkey, and 60 of them are in, in Istanbul. So almost half of the churches in the whole country is in one city. And the greatest struggle they have is there's a 55% divorce rate in Christian families in Turkey. So their ministry, you know, is to really cultivate the home biblically. And I think over here, you know, sometimes we get very distracted. We get, I don't know, just a, a real negative outlook from the media. And that can really create, you know, the wrong perspective that God's not able to do things. I think it's so important, you know, this, this pursuit with our children as they grow up, as they're out of your home, it takes on different stages. And one of the things that Razit, who is the husband and his wife, I can't even remember her name, it was very different. It was cool, but I cannot remember. He said that their mission over there 
is that strong Christian families equal strong Christian churches that equal a strong Christian society. And that's the same that we should do as well. I know that may sound lofty, but God's able to do that. Those of you that are saved, he did it for you, he did it for me. I didn't deserve it at all. I just, I just know that our family goes so far beyond us and what we can see. Because when you read numbers, families are a big deal. That's how people were identified, the son of this person and this person. I mean, what a, what a legacy to have multi-generationally that glorifies God. Not glorifies my last name of Leinbach, but brings hope to people that don't have hope. That's, that's what the gospel is able to do. And we're able to play a part of that. I just want to encourage you that, you know, regardless of where you are in life, where your kids are if you have them, um, if you have aunts or, or, you know, nephews or nieces or anything like that, you guys play a really important role, very important. You can have a profound impact that goes so far beyond, you know, our life here. And, you know, that's my hope, you know, with my family, to the best of my ability, just to be, to be honest, be honest about my, my sin, my mistakes, when I've done it to my kids, go up to them and show them, I'm sorry, will you forgive me and pray with them? Those are simple, simple things, but they really mean a lot, and they're very easy. It's easy to overlook, but it's also easy to do. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for everything that you've done through your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for the blood that he shed on the cross, Lord. I thank you that you sought us while we were still sinners, that you have given us a new life and a new outlook. Lord, I just thank you for our church family. I pray that you are glorified and honored with everything that we do. I pray for our families, Lord, that you would help us to be in tune with your Holy Spirit, how to lead, how to develop growth that brings glory and honor to your name that makes the gospel known, Lord, and that, you know, when we pass on and see you, to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, Lord, is something that I think every true believer in Christ sure wants to hear. We are so thankful, Lord, for everything that you've done. In Jesus' name, 